All right, welcome back. It's the Avid Investor Podcast with me, your host, Josh Adamek, and here we are, episode 43. Uh, today, we're going to talk about uh, the potential uh, pitfalls and risks and downside uh, with with investing in real estate. Um, so last week, I talked about the quote-unquote new ways uh, to invest in real estate, and I gave you my thoughts and opinions on that. And if you want, go ahead and circle back, check that out. It's still out there uh, if you didn't get a chance to tune in. Uh, but today, I want to talk about the, uh, uh, the three main ways to invest in real estate and the potential risks and downsides and, and pitfalls associated associated uh, with those. And and I want to give you my thoughts and opinions on how to avoid and, and, and mitigate those those risks and those downsides. So um, here goes. Um, the uh, uh, so so just to just to, to, to recap on that and dive into it, um, you know, there's there's three main ways to invest in real estate, uh, wholesale, retail and long term cash flow. And Today, I'm going to talk about the the risks, the pitfalls, uh, the downsides uh, to that. And why is that? Because I live in the real world. I run a business. I have an investment company. I have a private equity company. And I have a team. I have a staff here. And, you know, we live in the real world. And in the real world, um, there are... There are pitfalls, there are risks, there are downsides. Um, now, over the years, uh, we've we've learned how to mitigate those risks and and try to avoid avoid the risks. And you know, our focus has been safety and security uh, while building building our portfolios. Um, but I want to talk about the uh, the pitfalls and the risks and the downsides because I don't see anybody else talking about it. And in reality, like I don't have anything to sell you. I'm not here like giving you all the all the um, uh, oh, it's so easy. All you got to do is this, that, the other thing. Then, you know, boom, you're a millionaire. Boom. You know, you're making X amount per month. You got a Lamborghini, you got a big ass house. No, I'm not giving you any of that crap. Why? Because it's crap. Um, you know, it, again, I live in the real world. Uh, I run a business, uh, and a business requires time, effort, energy, and work um, to create something and to to build something and to run and manage something. Um, and again, I don't have anything to offer you. I'm not trying to get you to sign up for my course or you know buy my book or you know join my mastermind or come to my event or anything like. I got nothing here other than other than the information that that I'm providing uh, that will hopefully you know help you in in your investment uh business and your investment career so um you know i feel the need since nobody else is talking about it let's talk about some of the downsides some of the risks some of the uh um pitfalls that you're you're going to encounter in this business and and how to avoid them so as i mentioned you know many many times uh there's three main ways to invest in real estate uh there's wholesale uh, there's retail and then there's there's long-term cash flow and there's a bunch of different little spin-offs uh, with each of those strategies um, ways to structure deals and things like that ways to structure your uh, uh, your partnerships your capital stacks and uh, uh, debt equity uh, whatever the case may be um, but let's let's take a little bit of time and 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 dive into each one of those aspects and I want to talk about pitfalls and and risks and downsides in each of those aspects and and how to avoid them um so first off wholesaling 
Uh, wholesaling real estate is basically, uh, if you don't already know, which many of you probably do, wholesaling is when you control, when you have equitable interest in a property and you sell that equitable interest uh, to another investor who's actually going to close on the property. Now, um, you know, a lot of wholesalers do that via release agreement. Uh, some it's not recommended, um, but some do an assignment type agreement. Uh, and then there are some, you know, wholesalers that actually close on the property and then and then resell it uh, uh, to another investor. So there's different strategies there. Uh, but the the you know and and wholesaling is is uh, in my opinion there's a common misconception that that wholesaling is the easy part of the business um you know that it's easy to do and and a lot of people that that want to start in real estate start with wholesaling um you know and and you know see it as is is uh you know an easy way to get in the business uh and you know, in reality, wholesaling, uh, yes, there's low barriers, barriers to entry, which means there's a high attrition rate. Um, you know, a lot of people get in, try it, uh, doesn't work out. Um, you know, they get frustrated, can't find the deals, can't, can't move the deals and then, you know, whatever, move on. So you see it, uh, a lot of new people come, uh, you know, don't, uh, uh, don't start putting huge numbers on the board and then, you know, they're gone. I mean, I can't tell you how many, how many emails I get per day, how many calls I get per day, uh, from, from, new wholesalers that are that are sending out deals that you know quote unquote deals that uh uh just don't make sense so um here's uh potential risk potential downsides uh uh with wholesaling well first off if you're gonna if you're gonna be a wholesaler if you're gonna wholesale a property and you're meeting with a seller and this seller is expecting you to purchase their 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 home uh to close on their home if you make them a cash offer and you say i'm going to close in 30 days and and you're controlling that property with a uh agreement of sale agreement of sale to purchase um then you're giving you're setting that seller's expectation that you're going to purchase that home so in my opinion, you better follow through with that purchase. If you tell a seller that you're going to buy their home, you better be ready, willing, and able to purchase that home in 30 days, whether you have a whether you have a a, a buyer lined up or not. So uh, you see that all the time um, with a lot of these uh, courses uh, for, from the quote unquote gurus that are out there that that. Um, you know, say, oh, well, you just use this agreement of sale and then you have your contingencies in there where, you know, it's subject to, you know, buyer's partner's approval or, you know, inspection or whatever, you know, um, uh, you know, whatever the case may be, throw your contingencies in there. Well, you know, that that might sound good in theory, uh, but in reality, uh, you're setting a seller's expectation that you're going to purchase their home, that you're going to close on their home and they're going to rearrange their life expecting that you're going to purchase that home. So if you go into agreement of sale, you better be prepared to, to, um, purchase that home. So, which means, you know, you better have a good deal on that property. You better, you better make sure the numbers and the ratios work, uh, for somebody to come in and, and purchase that equitable interest in that property from you. Um, so that's, that's step one. Uh, step two is, is, you know, when you control this property, again, the numbers and the ratios must work. Wholesaling is not simply getting a property under agreement and then thinking there's a magical buyer out there that's going to pay you, you know, two, three, five, ten, twenty five thousand dollars more 
then then you got that property under agreement. So so that's number one. And how do you get those deals? You it's you got to market to the masses. You got to have your you have got to have your lead generation. It's not as simple as going out there and, you know, finding a house on the MLS or finding a house on on Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace or a for sale by owner. It's not it's not a one and done. It's a numbers game. Wholesaling is a numbers game, which which, you know, means that you know, there's companies out there, there's companies right here in Pittsburgh that, that are just huge, huge, huge wholesalers. And we buy a lot from them. Um, but, uh, you know, which means if you're going to be a new wholesaler, you got to beat those guys, uh, to the lead. You got to beat the companies that are out there with a full team, with a full staff that are spending, you know, five, 10, 20, $30,000 a month in marketing and lead generation, um, that are, that, that are, you know, out there, boots on the ground every day, looking for houses to, uh, looking for homes, looking for real estate to to secure uh, to wholesale. So you got to beat them to the deal, and then two, you have to um, you have to uh, uh, you know be able to beat their numbers, beat their you you have to uh, be able to get in front of that seller and have that seller comfortable enough with 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 you and your company and your team and your strategy to go with you instead of the other guys. So, um, you know, there's, there's the negotiations that come into play. Uh, there's, uh, you know, showing your ability to perform and ability to perform is, is huge. I mean, you know, again, I can't stress it enough. If you're going to set a seller's expectation that you're going to purchase their home, you better, you damn well better purchase their home. You can't, you can't secure a property with a bunch of uh, uh, BS uh, contingencies and clauses in the sales agreement. And then, you know, a day before closing or a week before closing or, you know, the day of closing, call the seller up and say, I'm sorry, you know, we're, we're, we're going to exercise this uh, contingency in our agreement and we're not going to close on the property. That is a total, total disservice to, to a seller. So, that's number one. Um, that's on the front end. Uh, number one, number two, wherever I was. Uh, so that's on the front end. Um, you know, when you're going to set a seller's expectation, make sure you perform. Then on the back end, when you've found that you, when you feel that you've secured a deal and you're going to pass that deal on to another buyer, um, uh, you're going to release your rights, you release your equitable interest, and you're going to pass that deal on to to a buyer who's who's going to close on the property. Um, you better make sure your buyers uh, uh, your your buyers there, your buyers good, your buyers legit. Uh, so again, you know when 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 wholesaling, and I've talked about this before. You want to be a wholesaler. Uh, so many of these gurus teach that that um, you know you got to build this massive buyers list. You got to build this massive buyers list. You got to get two thousand, five thousand, ten thousand people on this buyers list, and then all you have to do, and this is what the gurus are teaching. All you have to do is go out and s sign up a property, send it out to your buyers list, and somebody will buy it. Well, maybe that's true. Maybe that happens. Um, yes, it does happen. You know, especially right now where where we've been in an up market. So there's a lot of people that are, that are buying, um, that are investing in real estate, buying, buying properties that just don't make sense. But in reality, here's what happens. So, uh, you know, again, we're, we're very active. My company's very active. We buy a lot of single family homes every year. We're kind of blinders on laser focus. We buy, we invest in, you know, regular houses, regular neighborhoods, single family homes. And, you know, we buy a lot from wholesalers. So, um, you know, and we have a, 
buy box that, you know, our, our deals are what we purchase has to fit within and has to meet our, our, our buy criteria. So, um, when we go to a wholesaler, uh, you know, wholesaler sends a property out, we go look at it. Um, you know, maybe we can buy it, maybe we can pay, you know, what their price is. Maybe we can pay a little bit more. Um, you know, maybe we have to be a little bit lower. And a lot of times, um, you know, uh, uh, we are a little bit lower than, than what the wholesaler sends it out, but there's plenty of times where we're at or above, uh, what their price is. So, uh, in the example that, that, you know, we're a little bit lower, we'll put our number in and, you know, a lot of times wholesaler, especially a new wholesaler, uh, they'll have this buyer that, uh, that's going to pay him five, 10, you know, $20,000 more, uh, than, than what our number is. Uh, so they'll go with the other buyer. And this doesn't happen every time, but at least at least five or six times a year, uh, if not more, uh, wholesalers will call us up uh, and they'll say, "Hey, do you still want this deal?" Um, you know, whatever the and they'll give us the address, and and you know we'll say, "Yes, we can buy it at our price." They said, and this will be a Wednesday or Thursday, and they'll say, "Okay, can you close tomorrow? Can you close Friday?" Yes, we can, we can do it. We can walk through, we can check the property, make sure it's, you know, in the, in the same condition it was when we looked at it three, four weeks ago. And yes, we can close in a day or two. Uh, so that ha happens over and over and over again, uh, many times a year. And why is that? Because when you build this massive buyer's list as a wholesaler and you're dealing with people that you don't really know, somebody may give you a higher price on the purchase, but they may not always follow through. They may not have the ability to close. So when you're wholesaling, when you're wholesaling, that's a big, big thing. If you're if you're not in a position where you're able to close on that property and you don't you don't have cash or you don't you don't have financing lined up and you're expecting uh, this buyer to purchase the home and close on the home, they better perform. And what happens if they don't perform? What's your backup plan? So things can go wrong. Things can go half. Thing, things can go bad when when you're wholesaling. Now you've got this seller that's expecting to close on their property on Friday. You've got this buyer who you think is going to close on the property, and then all of a sudden this buyer gives you some excuse, or this buyer goes dark. You know, this buyer disappears, and now you're standing there. Like, what do I do? And, you know, the option is try to scramble, try to find another not another buyer that can close quick. Um, that's a real buyer, legit buyer. Or two, you have to go back to the seller and one, maybe ask for an extension. Or two, tell them you can't perform on your contract. Uh, and it puts you in a really bad spot. Maybe it, maybe you don't feel like it puts you in a bad spot, but it, it, it should because it puts your seller in a really bad spot. Maybe your seller already moved out of that home. Uh, maybe your seller uh, already, uh, you know, um, uh, bought another home and now they're up against, you know, uh, the cost of two homes, which they, maybe they can't afford. Uh, <clears throat> maybe your seller, um, you know, has some other uh, life changing circumstances where they needed to sell that home. Maybe they moved out of state and they just can't deal with it uh, from afar. Uh, there's so many variables. And bottom line is when you go under agreement uh, with a seller, you need to be able to perform. So, um, that's it. I mean, I could, and there's, there's so many different, um, potential downsides, potential risks with wholesaling, but, um, you know, bottom line is, is, you know, if you're, if you're going under agreement, you better be able to perform. Uh, if you're going to work with a, a seller and you don't have the financing or the cap, 
cash uh, to close on that property, you better verify uh, that your seller is, or that your buyer is legit and has the ability uh, to close. And that goes back to building this massive, massive buyers list. Um, that in my opinion, that's not always the 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 best way to go about wholesaling. Um, if you want to wholesale, uh, consider this: find you know two, three, five, ten legit confirmed buyers, um, maybe like myself or companies like myself that that you know are ready, willing, and able to purchase and always perform when they go under agreement and then just go find the properties that that those that those buyers look for and you know feed feed their pipeline so um you know my company uh, uh when when we go under agreement when we say we're going to purchase a property we perform um you know there's 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 no excuses there's no ifs ands or buts you know if we're if we're going under an all cash um or i'm sorry you know, going under agreement with an all cash, no contingencies purchase, we're going to perform. Um, you know, there, maybe there's a time where there's, there's a contingency contingent on a sewer line inspection or, um, you know, uh, whatever, not this doesn't happen often, but a septic tank inspection or something like that, you know, there's, there's maybe there's that variable, but you know, majority of times when we go under agreement, it's a cash purchase, uh, no contingencies. And, and we have a 100% close ratio when we go under agreement. So, um, it's very important that, uh, uh, um, you, you stick to your word and, and, and you, you close if you get, you're going to say, you, if you say you're going to close. So that's wholesaling. Let's talk about, uh, let's talk about retailing, uh, flipping, uh, renovating. Um, so, so with that, I mean, I, I don't know how much time you guys have, but, but this one, this one can go on and on and on and on there, there, um, you know, when you talk about flipping, flipping real estate, uh, renovating, rehabbing, retailing real estate. There's, there's a lot of variables. There's a lot of variables. Um, you know, one is first and foremost, uh, market conditions. Uh, you are buying a home. Uh, you're going to take, you know, 30 days to close on it. You're going to take, you know, depending on the size of the rehab, you're going to take a month to rehab it. Uh, maybe two months, maybe six months, maybe a year, depending on how bad it is. Uh, and how big it is, how much work it needs. And then you're going to uh, uh, re remarket the home for sale. Uh, so in that time frame, whether that's 30 days, 90 days, six months, 12 months, your deal is contingent upon market conditions. Your the, the, the sale of your, you're going to underwrite this deal upfront when you get it under agreement and you're, you're going to say, I'm going to sell this home for X. Well, what happened? What if something happens in that 90 days, six months, nine months, or a year uh, where the market changes, um, where banks stop lending, uh, where, you know, something happens where, where that front end number that you underwrote the deal at isn't there at the end? Um, that happens. So how can, you, how can you mitigate that risk? One, um, regular houses, regular neighborhoods, multiple exit strategies. So if you want to buy, fix and flip a house uh, and you're new to the business, start off small, start off small and know 
understand that if that home doesn't sell, you have to be able to do something else with it. If you're in Pittsburgh, regular houses, regular neighborhoods, median price points, you're buying with the correct ratios, uh, you know, max 65, 70%, um, uh, 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 max versus uh, the, the end value. I wouldn't say LTV, but you may not have a uh, loan on the property. Um, so 65, 70% uh, max of the after repaired value. You got your equity, you confirmed you have your equity. Uh, if you're in median price points, uh, you know, in, in Pittsburgh, that's, you know, it, it's, it changes, uh, but that's somewhere around, you know, 185 to 225. That's a median price point for the Pittsburgh market. Um, if you're in that price range, uh, you buy, renovate a home and it doesn't sell. Maybe you mess something up. Maybe you, uh, uh, maybe you were a little slightly wrong on your ARV. Uh, maybe you went over on your, on your rehab for whatever reason you get to the end of the transaction and it doesn't sell. If you're in, in the median price, points, you know, in, in the, um, regular houses, regular neighborhoods, you can always rent that home out. You could refi it. If you, uh, if you use short-term financing, you know, banks are still lending, you could refi that home, uh, rent it out in cash flow. Uh, now let's say, you know, you're new to the business and, you know, you took one of these seminars and, and, uh, saw this YouTube video where, you know, bigger is better, blah, 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 do this big rehab, you get this $100,000 payday, make, you know, six figures on this flip, and you go into a neighborhood, um, let's just say, you know, Lawrenceville, East Liberty, Highland Park, whatever, you go into one of these, these neighborhoods where they have the big old homes, um, and, you know, it's a full gut reno, and, and, you know, you're projecting, you're, you're purchasing for X, you're projecting X on the reno, and you're, per, you're projecting X on the resale. Well, um, first off, if you're new to the business, uh, my opinion, you have no uh, doing a full gut uh, reno renovation right out of the bat. Unless, of course, you have significant um, uh, experience in construction and significant knowledge of, of market uh, conditions, uh, values, price points, etc. Uh, so, when you get into those big full gut renos, things happen. Um, there's issues, you know, you get in, you, you got the home and you find, you could find foundation issues. You could find, uh, you know, uh, utility issues that you weren't accounting for. Um, you can find, I've, I've done this before where we got at a home and we found fire damage uh, that, that was covered up from decades ago. Uh, but we expose it, so we got to fix it. Um, so there's things that can happen. Um, there's cost overruns. If you don't fully, fully understand, understand construction cost, um, there's variables. Uh, there's cost overruns in construction. Um, if you get into a project and, uh, um, you know, you want to, uh, you want to do a full gut remodel and you, you, you miss some things on your reno. If you're, if you're starting with a hundred thousand dollar reno budget, it's very easy on a full gut reno to go 10, 20, 30, 50% over your rehab budget. Um, it, it's, it, it, it can happen. It can happen. So if you're putting all your eggs in one basket right out of the gate and starting this full gut reno, I mean, you can, you can run into some problems. Uh, and then when it comes to the back end uh, on the sale, on the price point, let's just say there were no issues um, as far as market conditions, the market remained stable, the market remained the same. Uh, what if you didn't properly underwrite that deal out of the gate? Um, I, uh, uh, 
many people know that like, you know, uh, uh, Pittsburgh, and you may not know this if you're new to the business, but um, price points in Pittsburgh are very specific. Uh, there are there are neighborhoods and there are parts of, of Pittsburgh where it's not like pocket by pocket price points, but it's street by street uh, where values change significantly. Um, there's parts of town where you get past a certain street in a neighborhood, uh, the values change significantly or different elementary schools in certain neighborhoods are, are big bumps in value. So if you don't know these things, if you don't fully understand these things and you're just looking at the, at the big picture, the big picture, and you're seeing your, your comps, oh, well, there's, you know, there's a, there's a 500 here, there's a 550 there, there's a, there's a, a you know, a 575 here, you know, Mine has to be 550. Well, what if yours is three blocks away? Yes, it's in close proximity. But what what if your home is in that that other elementary school um, uh, that's that's not as desirable? Or what if it's what if it's uh, past that street where ever where where there's there's a big bump in value? So uh, if you miss things like that up front. It can make a big difference, big difference. So if you're putting all your eggs in one basket and one big remodel, uh, that can be a mistake. So uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, again, just to summarize, when it comes to uh, rehabbing and flipping homes, if that's the model that you choose, start off small. Start, start off with a basic starter home. Um, uh, and, and go through the process, learn the process, do a few of those, and then build up, build up to the bigger homes. But, you know, again, I can't stress this enough, holes, whether you're wholesaling or whether you're, you're, you're flipping and selling retail, um, you want to focus on, on long-term, uh, which is what I'm going to talk about next. Um, if you're making some money wholesaling, if you're making some money flipping houses, um, don't go out and buy dumb shit. Uh, <laughs> focus on building a long-term portfolio, building up that passive income. And that's, that's what I'm going to talk about now is, is investing for the long-term investing in cash flow properties. And, you know, what can go wrong with, with cash flow properties? Well, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of uh, potential downsides and, and potential pitfalls uh, with, <clears throat> with, you know, being a landlord with, with, with renting homes, with, um, with, with investing for the long term, how, how we mitigate that risk is, um, you know, we, we invest in, in regular houses, regular neighborhoods, you know, we, we call a grandma's house, but again, median price points for the Pittsburgh market, hundred and, um, you know, a lot of our homes in portfolio are in that like 150 to 225, um, uh, value range. That's what we invest in. Um, you know, we don't do any low income section eight properties. Cause again, like, you know, uh, some people see that coming into the business. It's like, well, I could just buy these section eight houses for, for 20,000 and they're going to rent for 900 bucks a month. And I will be the first to tell you that everything looks good on a spreadsheet. Um, you know, there's, when it comes to low income housing, uh, they can possibly potentially be, uh, cash flow, uh, uh, cash, cash cows, cash monsters, you know, whatever you want to call it looks great on a spreadsheet. But again, you know, as I said, in the beginning, we live in the real world, uh, real world is, um, low income housing requires a lot of management, a lot of management, a lot of oversight. Um, um, 
Are there some good folks in low income housing? Yes, absolutely. Um, there's good folks in in any part of the market, any and anywhere you go. Um, there's also bad folks in in any part of the market, anywhere you go. Um, <clears throat> but when, if you're if you're looking at solely building a portfolio of low income housing because you see how gr how great it looks on a spreadsheet, quote unquote, um, the uh, uh, um, you know you're going to be in for some some. Uh, a lot of management, a lot of management. Uh, so, you know, and then if you go into the upper end of the market, um, you know, the, the higher price points, the, uh, in Pittsburgh, you know, that would be, you know, uh, 250, 300, 500,000. If you're going into the upper end of the market, because you see that, oh, well, I can buy one, one house and it's going to rent for, you know, 3,500 a month or, you know, 3,000 a month or 2,500 a month or whatever those numbers are. And you're seeing that, like, if you're seeing that, you know, I can finance this home for, you know, I can get a 30 or more, whatever. However, you're underwriting that deal and you see value in that, in that upper end. Um, just keep in mind that, you know, if you're renting a big home um, in, in the upper end of the market, uh, first, I, a the the person that leases that home, their expectations are going to be here. Uh, they're going to be way up there. It's like, well, I'm I'm paying this much to rent this home. It has to be perfect. Um, so with that, uh, you you get you 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 put somebody in there. Let's say you know it's in a good school district and a school district. There's you know family, kids, everything. Well, in reality, like homes get beat up. Like that's just what happens. It doesn't matter who you are, what market you're in, things happen. Like, you know, thing, homes get lived in. Um, and, you know, when when people move out, you have to turn those homes. So if you're in that upper end of the market, your turn costs are going to be super, super high. If you're, if you're, you know, leasing out a, a 3,000, 3,500 square foot home and, you know, somebody moves out, walls got all beat up. I mean, what's it cost to paint one of those homes? to repaint it. Um, you're not going to have to cut trim and everything probably, but you're probably still ten, fifteen thousand $15,000 to paint that house. Um, so, uh, then you're looking at flooring, you're looking, you're looking at, uh, you know, window treatments, uh, you know, all kind of stuff. So on, in the higher end market, you get, you get somebody that moves out and, and the home's a little bit beat up. It could cost you, you know, 20, 25,000 bucks to turn that home. Um, so, so, and then, you know, those, those, higher end homes, regardless of whether you're buying or leasing, I mean, they're subject to market conditions. So, um, you know, when the market's, when the market's good, people don't mind, you know, people that make a lot of money don't mind spending, you know, a lot of money on, uh, to, to rent a house. But when the market's not so good, there's a job loss or something in the family, they're going to go back to, you know, the B class neighborhoods, the regular houses, regular neighborhoods. <clears throat> so when it, when it comes to long-term, that's what we invest in is just regular houses, regular neighborhoods. Um, you know, our average home is a thousand, 1200 square foot. Um, you know, if, if somebody moves out, gets beat up, turn cost isn't super high. Uh, we can do it relatively quickly because it's not a big house. It's not, it's, it's not a big job. And we turn the home, we move somebody in. Um, and then, you know, we, we, we spread, we spread, uh, uh, the risk reward over, over multiple houses, over a lot of homes, um, in, in our portfolio, rather than, rather than doing one, two, three, four homes, we'll buy, we'll buy five, 10 homes, um, in, in, in that portfolio and we spread the risk reward. So, um, when you, when you talk about turnover costs and turn and loss and things like that, when you have, when you have 10 homes in, in a portfolio and one goes vacant uh, and you have to turn that, 
and the cost is minimal versus you have two homes in that portfolio and one goes vacant and the cost is the turn cost is high there's a big difference in in, in those ratios um so it's all things to consider um you know when it comes to when it comes to to you know long-term investing being a landlord um you know there's probably a whole nother uh there's probably a whole nother podcast there a whole nother episode that that i could do on you know property management um you know uh, dealing with non-pays and and renewals and and things like that but you know for that <clears throat> i think that's probably best saved for another episode um but again you know how we we mitigate our risk uh, and potential pitfalls and potential downsides uh, in our long-term portfolios is through buying regular houses in regular neighborhoods and leasing them to you know re uh, regular people that can and want to live in those areas. Um, we don't do Section Eight. We don't do um, you know we don't focus and we don't do uh, low-income housing. Um, we don't deal in the a neighborhoods were median price points for the pittsburgh market b-class neighborhoods regular houses regular neighborhoods grandma's house is is quote unquote that's what we call it uh that's what we look for to buy uh for and uh to keep in portfolios grandma's house so um that's it. Um, you know, I just wanted to cover the the three main aspects of of investing in real estate, wholesale, uh, retail, and long term cash flow, and talk about the downsides again, uh, the potential risks and the pitfalls. Why is that again? Because nobody else does. Um, really wanted to, wants to talk about the highlight reel how great it is uh how easy it is how how quick it is to uh, <clears throat> to get in re into real estate and how much money there is to be made uh everybody wants to talk about that but nobody wants to warn you um on the uh on the potential downsides the potential risks and how to avoid them so um with that, I thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, thank you for listening. Again, you know, I got nothing to offer here other than other than some 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 thoughts and some some guidance here on 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 you know running a business investment company and and investing in real estate. So if you find value in this message, all I ask in return is share it. Um, send it to somebody. Copy the link. Uh, send it over text, email, share it on social media, uh, whatever. Just help me spread the word. And as always. Let me know how. Uh, let me know what you think. Give me some feedback, and and if there's anything that uh, you know you'd like me to uh, uh, talk on in more detail, uh, go through. Uh, please reach out. Let me know. Call, text, uh, DM, whatever. Uh, but again, thank you guys so much for tuning in, and uh, have a great day.